Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. This is the last installment of my jazz piano series, at least for now. Last week, I did a quick and dirty analysis of the history and development of jazz piano. And the week before, I tried, with minimum success, to find pianists whose style I could identify if nobody told me who it was. I was able to find four. Thelonious Monk, Ahmad Jamal, Art Tatum, and probably Fats Waller, who I believe I could most often pick out if I were given a blindfold test. Today... I want to discover whether there are any other pianists whose style is so distinctive or with whom I'm so familiar that I could most often identify them. Now, with some, it might be a case of it being one of two or three pianists. Last week, I played some Oliver Jones, who is very much a protege of another pianist from Montreal, Oscar Peterson. And I don't know if I could tell those two apart. Oscar Peterson's style was very much influenced by Nat King Cole, and they both had long-lasting trios that, at least at one time, didn't employ drums. So it might be hard to tell the two apart at times. I'm going to play a couple tracks by each of them, and maybe see what the difference is in their particular piano styles. Let's start with Nat King Cole and his trio from 1945, This Way Out. really distinguishes Nat King Cole from other pianists, at least for me, was the incredible swing feel that he had. Oscar Peterson says 
he made time pop. He expanded the piano playing of his time by reconfiguring harmonies, using chromatic bass lines, and having lightning-fast reflexes spicing up everything he did. And his solos sounded like they were actually composed. Pianist Bill Sharlop has described Cole as essentially a linear player as opposed to a harmonic one, but goes on to say that Cole's linear language was a lot more streamlined and closer to the modern era than his forebears, Hines, Wilson, and Tatum. Later in life, his vocals eclipsed his piano work. Here is something from the last instrumental album that he recorded. It was 1956. Nat King Cole with the Nelson Riddle Orchestra, T for Two. So why did Nat King Cole stop featuring his piano? Well, it was partly because he started making a lot more money as a singer. But Oscar Peterson, who I'll play shortly, may have had a hand in it. Peterson made a vocal album in 1953 and sounded a lot like Nat King Cole. So the story goes that Nat King Cole said to Peterson, I'll make a deal with you, Oscar. You don't sing and I won't play the piano. So Oscar made no more vocal albums until his tribute album after Nat King Cole died. And Nat King Cole phased out his piano and recorded vocal albums backed by large orchestras. Although this program is about piano styles, these next two tracks are also vocals. And you can see the similarity in the singing styles between Cole and Peterson. Here's Nat King Cole with Sweet Lorraine from 1943 with Oscar Moore on guitar, Johnny Miller bass. I'm going to follow it with Oscar Peterson in this trio from a single from 1952 where Oscar sings and plays until the real thing comes along with Barney Kessel on guitar and Ray Brown on bass. But first, Nat King Cole. And I've just found joy I'm as happy as a baby boy With another brand new choo-choo joy When I met my sweet Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine 
pair of eyes that are brighter than the summer skies. When you see them, you realize why I love my sweet Lorraine. Now when it's raining, I don't miss the sun. Causes in my baby smile And to think that I'm the lucky one That will lead her down the aisle Each night I pray That no one will steal her heart away I can't wait until that lucky Wanna marry sweet in my baby smile and to think that I'm the lucky one that will lead her down the aisle each night I pray that no one will steal her heart away I can't wait until that lucky day When I'm very sweet Lorraine But I that do that can make you understand I'll always love you darling come what may my heart is yours what more can I say I'd sigh for you I'd cry for you I'd tear the stars down from the sky for you 
that isn't love, it will have to do until the real thing comes along. So it does seem as if Nat King Cole and Oscar Peterson, who you just heard, inhabited parallel universes. They both had drumless trios, similar piano styles, and even voices that some found hard to distinguish. I can definitely tell the difference between their voices, but then I'm pretty familiar with voices, and somehow I can plow through the similarities and hear the subtle differences. I'm not so good with instrumental styles. But that being said, Oscar Peterson did take a lot of what he learned from listening to Nat King Cole and expanded it, and also added some complex and intricate bebop grammaticism, particularly in his solos, while Nat King Cole mostly stuck to swing. Peterson was sometimes criticized for his tendency to over-decorate tunes in a late Baroque style, but One quote I found from one obituary stated, Outside of his friend Art Tatum, Peterson had the most prodigious piano technique in jazz. He made it sound so easy to play the complex note perfect and lightning runs with which he turbocharged the piano keyboard that a lot of people took him for granted. Unquote. Here he is from 1958 with his interpretation of Dizzy Gillespie's Con Alma from The Jazz Soul of Oscar Peterson, with Ray Brown on bass and Ed Thigpen drums.
delightful. Oscar Peterson. There are two pianists who I grew up, at least from my early teens, listening to, and because of that, I think I could identify them if somebody gave me a blindfold test. Both of them studied as classical pianists, but success in that field eluded them because of the color of their skin. I'm talking about Don Shirley and Nina Simone. With Nina Simone, you don't usually think of her in terms of her piano work because she became so well-known as a vocalist. She never abandoned her love for classical and Baroque music, and her piano style was an interesting amalgam of gospel, Baroque, blues, and modern classical, or classical from the Romantic period. Her piano playing has quite the dynamic range and conveys just in itself, even without her vocals, a lot of emotion. Here is one of the few instrumentals she recorded. It's a piece written by Tad Dameron and Count Basie in the 1940s called Good Bait with Jimmy Bond on bass, Nina Simone on piano.
Let me play one more from Nina Simone, where you can hear her play a Bach-influenced fugue in the middle, Love Me or Leave Me. There are a whole bunch of recordings of her playing and singing that tune on YouTube, and each one is different, but they all have a Bach-influenced solo. I think the live versions are the best, despite their poor recording quality. Here's one of my favorites, at least in terms of the intricate solo she does. Nina Simone. I'd rather be lonely than happy with somebody else. You might find the night time the right time for kissing. Night time is my time for just reminiscing. Regretting instead of forgetting with somebody else. There'll be no one unless that someone is you. I intend to be independently blue. I want your love and I don't want to borrow. Have it today to give back. Simone. I mentioned Don Shirley and his style, while also very classical, is different from Nina Simone's in the sense that he almost makes a point of not having any real jazz swing, but lots of gospel feel and interesting rhythmic variations. Even his trio went against every jazz tradition, as it consisted of a bass and a cello, along with Don Shirley's piano. And what he does is take great Broadway popular tunes and traditional folk and gospel songs and turns them into something that sounds very classical. Here is one of his best known, Water Boy, a traditional prison song, actually a medley along with Take This Hammer, that he adapted from a version by folk singer Odetta. Here it is from 1960. Thank you. 
love that. Thinking about Don Shirley reminds me of a more modern pianist who I've grown to really admire and uh, who also has that folk classical influence. His name is Aaron Deal, D-I-E-H-L. I first heard him on a Cecile McLaurin Salvant recording of a traditional folk song and I said, who is that pianist? I loved what he was doing. It's so dramatic when he finally comes in. I've since listened to a lot more of Aaron Deal and Eventually, I'll get to the point where I can identify him. Well, maybe. Here's that recording of where he first came to my attention. Because he laid down his hammer and he died. He laid down his hammer and he died. He laid down his hammer and he died. He before I die a cool drink of water before I die a cool 
drink of water before I die. A cool drink of water before I die. John Henry had a little woman, and the dress that she wore was red, and the last word. That I heard that poor girl say She says I'm going where John Henry fell dead I'm going where John Henry fell dead Going where John Henry fell dead Going where John Henry fell Cecile McLaurin-Zalvant with Aaron Deal on piano. Let's have another somewhat modern pianist, McCoy Tyner, who we lost last year. I've had a few recordings presented to me, and I've been able to say, hey, that sounds like McCoy Tyner on piano, and I've sometimes been right. <laughs> Episode 99 of Discovering Jazz is a tribute to McCoy Tyner. There's something distinct about his style. He took the fairly simple modal harmonic system that was popularized by Miles Davis and made it more complex, combining it with his very percussive keyboard attack. In his 1975 interview with Len Lyons, written up in The Great Jazz Pianist's book, he stated that rather than being the technical analytical type who sits down and plans things out, like Herbie Hancock, he likes to keep things on a spontaneous level, and he saw the piano as more of a rhythmic instrument, like a drum. But what makes him most distinct, even though other pianists have caught on and have been very much influenced by him, is that combination of what is referred to as quartal voicings and pentatonic scales. It's a part of virtually all his compositions. Just listen to his famous Passion Dance and also his work in most other compositions. Quartal voicing simply refers to constructing chords in fourths rather than in thirds, so they aren't either major or minor, and often no clear root note. In other words, you can't easily figure out what key he's playing. They're sort of like suspended chords, except with no need to resolve. It kind of sounds like this. Or simplified, in terms of the individual notes, instead of this. Or this. you get something like this. Or... Tyner uses those quartal voicings in his accompanying or comping, and his solos are usually built on fourths, and he seems to always use it, even in the album where he arranged Burt Bacharach tunes for his trio and symphony orchestra, conducted and arranged by John Clayton... This is a 1997 album called What the World Needs Now, the music of Burt Bacharach with Christian McBride on um, bass and Lewis Nash drums. Always something there to remind me. McCoy Tyner.
One more from McCoy Tyner. Chester reinforces his piano style and his use of fourths in his harmonies and his melodies. Here is one that's in the real book, 5th edition, page 412. That's the book that students and uh, amateur jazz players so often use for jam sessions. This tune is called Three Flowers. It's a solo recording from 1991 from his soliloquy album, McCoy Tyner.
Coy Tyner. Well, I have time for part of one more. How about if we talk briefly about Teddy Wilson, whose career spanned the 1930s up even into the 80s. He may not be that identifiable anymore because his use of tenths in his left hand in his long flowing improvised lines have influenced so many pianists, even Art Tatum. You've been listening to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan, and this is the last of the current three-part series where I'm challenging myself to identify various pianists and their styles. Over the next few months, I'm going to give a special listen to these pianists as well as others and see if I can learn more about their styles and what distinguishes them from each other. So I'm sure there will be more podcasts on jazz piano in the future. Ending off with the Teddy Wilson Trio from a 1956 album on Verve called I Got Rhythm with Jane, Gene Ramey on bass and Joe Jones drums. And you'll really hear those tenths walking bass runs here that define much of Teddy Wilson's style. All of me. Bye for now. Thank you.